On Thursday, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took to NPR to express her excitement about a new environmental deal called the Green New Deal aimed at destroying Western civilization as we know it. Included in the proposal, the lightly educated congresswoman from New York emphasized the need to eliminate 100% of farting in class, Dutch ovens in bed, and all silent but deadly gases escaping from humans worldwide in an effort to lower greenhouse gases to zero. One recommendation included in the proposal called for mandatory butt plugs for all Americans, referred to as green compliance plugs. The oppression, the oppression caused by environmental changes must be taken seriously by all of us, Cortez warned. With humanity on the brink of extinction due to rapid environmental changes, Cortez explained, There are no measures too far when it comes to bringing humans back to the dark ages in order to prevent global warming. Continuing, Cortez called for a new environmental Gestapo tasked with finding homes and businesses not in compliance. Initially, roughly 100% of homes and businesses will be out of compliance, but Cortez reassured that, quote, under the penalty of fines and imprisonment, I truly believe that people will like, you know, really, truly want to make a difference and make this world a better place. Literally, they won't even have a choice, unquote. When probed on the feasibility of the section of her proposal calling for elimination of 100% of air travel, the New York representative asked the interviewer what he meant by feasible. After a quick clarification on the definition, Cortez said, Look, all of the advancements of civilization were built on the backs of slaves, indigenous peoples, and oppressed nations. We deserve to cripple our economy. We owe it to those people who no longer have representation here. Upon conclusion of the interview, the representative boarded her flight back to Reagan National Airport, caught an Uber back to her D.C. apartment, and turned her thermostat up to 72 degrees. The chilly February temperatures in D.C. have been brutal as of late. Alexandria concluded her day by curling up with a hot cup of cocoa and the newest edition of the New York Times. All right, welcome to the program today, the Freedom Warrior Podcast. My name is Derek. Ahead today, a lot to get to. Stack show, so much going on. Have more uh, developments in Virginia. Every every day ending in Y is a new uh a new scandal or a development of uh, previous scandals. Uh, more blackface, not in Virginia. A little bit on Venezuela, Ukraine, going around the globe here. And then I will touch on, uh, let's see, the housing bubble, 2.0. And then uh, we'll just see what we can get to. So I'll just dive in here. Uh, more blackface. So you didn't think we'd make it another day without a Democrat, uh, blackface scandal, did you? So, uh, next batter on deck is Joy Behar of The View. Footage from, uh, 2016 taping of The View was dug up. I don't know how it took this long, but, uh, Behar admitted to dressing as a, quote, beautiful African woman, unquote, at a Halloween party back when she was 29, and she admitted this on the uh, 2016 uh, episode of uh, The View. So how nice of her to dress as a beautiful African woman. You know, it's not blackface because she dressed as a beautiful African. 
As long as, you know, as long as you're a Democrat, you can get away with this. Even better, she clarified by saying that she used makeup that was, quote, a little bit darker than my skin, unquote. So, you see, it was only a little bit. So, it's not really blackface because, you know, it was a little bit and she was beautiful. She was a beautiful African woman. Not an ugly Af- African woman. She even gave herself a compliment. She said, I was so cute. <laughs> okay, I would beg to differ there. Uh, how could you... Po- well, I mean, putting makeup on a pig. I don't know. Anyways, uh, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Okay, so whether... you know, I guess the only thing I find cute about this, just being serious, is the, the avalanche of hypocrisy. That's what I find cute. So whether it's the Me Too scandals in Hollywood and politics the racial pandering while covering up skeletons in their closets, or the millionaire celebrities and politicians, CEOs, and other elites who openly advocate for socialist-style policies while hoarding all of their own money. So, yes, the hypocrisy is quite cute to me. Uh, And then, while I'm on the subject of scandals, uh, Virginia, back at it, another day ending in Y, another Virginia Democrat wrapped up in this scandal, Uh, So ABC reported today that Representative Bobby Scott, a Democrat House of Representatives uh, politician in Virginia, representing Virginia in Congress, he was alerted to the accuser in the Lieutenant General scandal, the Me Too scandal. So he was made aware of these allegations directly from Dr. Vanessa Tyson, the accuser, and... uh, this, this took place back in December of 2017. So over a year ago, uh, this doctor, the, the alleged victim, uh, allegedly told Representative Scott that the Fairfax, the now lieutenant governor, that he had a Me Too allegation uh, or that she had a Me Too allegation towards him. And over the next month, uh, Scott's aides learned that uh, Tyson was the alleged victim. So the scandals in Virginia have now reached the U.S. House of Representatives. And, you know, what a disaster this has been. I don't know how it could possibly spread more than this. It's it's like a political wildfire here in Virginia. I mean, you've got Me Too scandals unfolding. You've got, you know, blackface scandals unfolding, KKK scandals unfolding. And it's, it's a new major politician you know, one day after the next. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm sure there's going to be another uh, scandal or a development to the scandal because these are just too big to go away. Uh, Next up, Venezuela. So this is uh, coming from my military uh, perspective. It's going to be a little different, but uh, looking at the, the loyalty of the military to Maduro, their dictator. So you know, it's a little different here in America because we don't have that. We ha- While we have loyalty to the Constitution, to our commander-in-chief, we also don't live in a socialist dictatorship. So we don't have, you know, this kind of uh, dynamic to our our military system. But, you know, many, many have asked why the military in Venezuela continue to oppress their own people and, you know, why they have loyalty to Maduro would be so bad. Well, there are a few reasons that I'd like to go over. And, uh, you know, so so here we go. One, their entire promotion system is dependent on loyalty to the regime. 
to Chavez in the past and Maduro now. So this creates a problem where all of the people in control of the military, all of the senior leaders, they're all extremely loyal to the regime. On top of this, many disloyal members were purged by Maduro or military leadership. So it just breeds, you know, the same thing over and over. And eventually that's that they all rise to the leadership roles. And that's just what, you know, the military is like now a loyal uh, military serving uh, at the behest of their their dear, uh, you know, I was about to say dear leader like North Korea, but essentially that's what's happening. Uh, so problem two closely connected to that is that the highest levels of military receive extra benefits, creating incentives to remain loyal, you know, in the form of bonuses, kickbacks, promotions, not murdering you, you know, things like that. And then um, problem three, many of the military have committed horrible crimes and atrocities against humanity. So if leadership were to flip overnight to be like more moderate, it's possible that these military members would be held accountable for their illicit activities. So they'd be jailed, imprisoned, executed, who knows, depending on the, the violation. And, and not to mention, they're heavily involved with drug trafficking and, you know, murders and, and much worse. So, um, you know, what's the way ahead? Well, as the population sees the illegitimacy of Maduro, the, so will the troops, especially in the lower and middle ranks. What I think will happen is that it's going to lead to them leaving the service, deserting or refuti- uh, refusing to comply. They're not going to obey unlawful orders forever uh, if they don't want to be a part of it. And this will lead to a weakened military and ultimately less control for Maduro. And that's all he's clinging on to right now. So I will say this, it is unlikely that we'll see Maduro, or it is, it's very likely that we'll see Maduro uh, dig his heels in I mean, dictators rarely leave power on their own. He has no interest in respecting the Constitution. So, you know, it's going to be a a tough one to to uh, rip a democracy from the claws of tyranny. I mean, it's really difficult to do that, uh, but we'll see going forward. Uh, Next story, a Ukrainian politician fed information to Fusion GPS. So you may remember... The whole uh, steel dossier scandal, the FISA courts, all of that, spying on Trump. So ultimately, it all uh, boiled, boils down to the fact that a lot of this information was coming from a Ukrainian parliamentarian who was uh, working uh, in favor of, uh, well, working in favor of Russia in many ways. Um So uh, a piece over by Chuck Todd over at Daily Caller today broke another bombshell on this. So uh, Nellie Orr, the the wife of Bruce Orr, who was the number four at the DOJ, and Nellie Orr worked at Fusion GPS, and she worked on the oppo research. And she was called to uh, the Hill to testify in October, and she told lawmakers that one of Fusion GPS's sources for the debunked dossier was a Ukrainian parliamentarian whose government has accused him of illegally meddling in our election. The, you know, Hillary Trump election. That guy. That election. So 
The guy's name is Siri. I think I'm got to pronounce it right, which I'm not going to, but I believe it's Siri Lichenko. So I'll just call him Lichenko because that's easier to pronounce. But uh, Lichenko was over uh, working and meddling in our election through Fusion GPS, and the Ukrainian government recognizes as much. So uh, Lichenko was behind the Black Ledger, which accused Paul Manafort of receiving illicit payments from the Ukrainian government. So there's another name you'll recognize, Manafort. So this guy was working to get Manafort in trouble way before Mueller or Mueller ever got involved with the, the special counsel. And Lechenko, by the way, is a Russian linguist who previously worked with the CIA on their open source research unit. Yes, the John Brennan CIA, the one, you know, who hates Trump and all that. Yeah, that guy, that CIA, uh, Lechenko was working with them. And this source used to fabricate, was used to fabricate information for the dossier, the one that made it to our FISA court. This guy, this Russian linguist. So Lichenko has made many media appearances uh, during and after the 2016 election, often attempting to portray Trump as a pro-Russian candidate. And then just a couple months back in December of 2018, a court in Ukraine, an official court, ruled that Lachenko's release of information about Manafort led to interference in the electoral process of the United States in 2016 and harmed the interests of Ukraine as a state. So, to be clear, Ukraine, the country, has legally concluded that the source of the dossier used in our American FISA courts was involved with illegally interfering in the electoral process of the 2016 Trump-Hillary election. Why don't we hear about this in the media? Are no journalists even slightly curious about what was going on there? This, I mean, that's just a fact. And it's unfortunate that it won't do anything to help leftists understand what their side did to undermine democracy during and after the 2016 election. And on a related note, there was a piece written back in 2018 by a former contractor for Fusion GPS, a guy by the name of Graham Stack. What a name, Graham Stack. Uh, He admitted that Fusion GPS got their Manafort reporting completely wrong, 180 degrees off course. So this is from the piece. I'll just read straight from it. It's a huge irony. It's, it is a huge irony of U.S. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's inquiry into alleged collusion between U.S. President Donald J. Trump's 2016 election campaign and the Kremlin that the biggest fish caught to date is charged with doing the opposite of colluding with Russia. Paul Manafort, Trump's former campaign manager, has pled guilty to charges of undeclared lobbying to Ukraine in 2012 to 2013 to sign a political and trade association agreement with the European Union that would rescue it once and for all from the Kremlin's grasp. As a contributor to the Fusion GPS research on Manafort, I share the blame because we got Manafort almost completely wrong. The Kremlin has every reason to hate him. Manafort was amazingly successful in bringing Ukraine into the Western fold, 
after the jailing of Yanukovych, of the of the opposition leader and ex prime minister uh, Yulia Kiyomochenko in 2011, it seemed any attempts by Ukraine to pursue closer ties with the West were dead in the water. But only two years later, Kiev was a step away from uh, signing the association agreement with Brussels that would create a deep and comprehensive free trade area between EU and Ukraine. Okay, so how exactly is Manafort this Kremlin operative again? That's basically what that guy's saying is that he was working on behalf of Ukraine to pull them out of the the claws of of Kremlin influence and bring them over to the EU and and you know the European end of things and and away from Russian ends the Russian ends. So um, that's that's something you don't ever see on the media. Uh, worth noting. All right, so are Democrats pushing for another housing bubble? You know, I, I remember hearing so many different leftists blame Bush for the housing crisis. Yet, you know, experts in the in the field always insisted that it was these policies of trying to get people loans that and mortgages that don't actually deserve it. And I don't mean deserve it in the sense that they should never get it. I mean, they can't. They don't have the money to support that mortgage. So why are you forcing them into these, uh, forcing these institutions to, you know, offer these people loans when they're high risk applicants? Okay, so a, a piece over at Town Hall today by Carl Horowitz hit on a point that I think is important to highlight. So uh, Maxine Waters, you probably know who that is, now who is now the chair excuse me, now the chair of the House Financial Services Committee. So she's in charge of, in charge of money. Uh, she has made it a top priority to bully banks into boosting mortgage re- uh, lending to marginally qualified borrowers based on race or ethnicity. Does this sound familiar at all to you? If so, it's because it probably does. Uh, this is precisely what led to the housing crash in 2008 that got pinned on Bush. Waters created a new subcommittee uh, recently on, quote, diversity and inclusion, unquote. What could possibly go wrong with that? Taken to its logical conclusion, this will recreate the housing bubble that burst one decade ago. This is not to mention the issue of diversity and inclusion being used as hammers in modern politics. Those, those are such supercharged terms that ultimately assume, you know, inequal or inequality stems from injustice rather than, you know, just math. I mean, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. It's not, I'm not, I'm not refusing to give you a mortgage because you're black or you're any other color. I'm, I'm refusing to give you a mortgage because you make $30,000 a year and a $250,000 house. Well, how are you going to pay for that? Just do the math. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we already know how this ends, Maxine. So it's going to end with a housing bubble where everybody's home values plummet and millions default on their loans, leading to, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of foreclosures. People are, oh, um, you know, people are more careless with other people's money than their own. An over-leveraged banking industry, having been pressured into complying with diversity mandates, was on the verge of collapse. So Waters' newest initiative might eventually lead to history repeating itself. 
This congresswoman isn't simply a moral hazard. She's a moral, or she isn't simply inviting moral hazard. She is a moral hazard. And that that last piece is from the uh, writer there, uh, Horowitz. So uh, moving on, this, this is going to be a fun segment. Buckle up, folks. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gets rejected by Nancy Pelosi. So according to the New York Post, Pelosi threw some serious shade on Representative uh, Cortez, denying her a coveted spot on the special panel on climate change and brushing her, brushing off her new deal. So apparently Pelosi has some sense after all, although I won't give her too much credit because she's still Nancy Pelosi. But, you know, we aren't out of the water yet. At least half of all 2020 Democrat candidates still support the Green New Deal. Now, what is the Green New Deal proposal uh, and what would it require? I want to highlight this and go down it because you need to know how stupid this is. You're not going to believe it. I mean, I don't think most people will understand how stupid this is without hearing it. I mean, it's going to get fluffed fluffed up. You know, it's, it's well, it's probably not going to go anywhere, but um, you got to hear this. It's actually funny. I, I, I get a good laugh out of it. So uh, I'll, I'll start with the, the lesser stuff, although some of them are still, you know, not even feasible, but uh, it will call for new projects to modernize U.S. transportation infrastructure, decarbonize the manufacturing and agricultural sectors, make buildings and homes more energy efficient, and increase land preservation. Okay, that sounds harmless, other than the decarbonize part. That sounds like pretty radical to, to do all that, but it doesn't sound so bad. It sounds very, you know, like uh, written like a politician would write it, not actually telling you what what it involves or entails. Uh, it would involve meeting 100% of, pow- of power demand from zero emission energy sources. So uh, 100% is a high target to have zero emission energy sources. Uh, so let, let's let's look into this a little deeper. Okay, so she is uh, calling to create an economic safety net for frontline communities that will whatever that means uh, that will be affected by the radical shift away from fossil fuel use. At least she admits it's a radical shift. Um, she's looking to achieve net zero greenhouse gases emission, gas emissions in the next 10 years. So this one is far more radical than it sounds. Net zero greenhouse gas emissions in the next 10 years would mean eliminating gasoline-based vehicles full stop, 100%. Yes, even military. Okay, what about planes and semi-trucks who transport 100% of our goods and services, our goods, uh, to, facili- uh, to facilitate our flourishing economy. Although I guess there's uh, trains as, as well, but I'll get to that. She has a lot to say about trains even. Uh, so uh, GOP House Leader Kevin McCarthy said, the green dream is actually a nightmare. Because going, going ahead, she wants the full elimination of all fossil fuel consumption in 10 years. So yeah. She's not lying. Cars, boats, trucks, planes, etc. She is calling for the full elimination of nuclear power. Yes, that and nuclear power. The most effective, widely available, and cleanest power we have. She wants to eliminate all of that. She also wants to retrofit and build, literally rebuild, literally every building in America. Which I'm glad she found a way to throw literally into that. Um, But... 
Yeah, so every building in America will have to conform to specific energy efficiency standards. And if you know HVAC, you know how insane this is. And I, I can only imagine the penalties that will encom- you know, accompany this. You know, major punishments, fines, or jail, uh, I'm sure. So have fun getting into compliance when, when the new environmental Gestapo shows up. And, uh, you know, what else has she got for us? Come on, AOC. Hit us with your best shot. What? How else can you just destroy Western civilization? Uh, oh, okay. She says, we need to eliminate, this isn't her exact quote, but this is what she's calling for, eliminate 100% of air travel in favor of high-speed trains, with the exception of international travel, of course. Because how would you get to your, uh, you know, your summits over there, your, your climate change summits? Okay, so... She is calling for a hundred percent elimination of air travel in America. So I'm sure that I'm sure the residents of uh, Alaska and Hawaii uh, are happy to hear this uh, this new policy. Um, complete Im- elimination of air travel. I mean, you cannot make this up. She's like she she is actually trying to regress. She is trying to uninvent things, like uninvent airplanes and air travel and cars. <laughs> I mean, it gets worse, by the way. Uh, so AOC and the people on her plan would prefer to eliminate all meats, but they know this is going to be a bit of a challenge, but they definitely want to eliminate methane producing livestock, reed, cows, pigs, etc. Uh, okay. So we all have to turn vegan now. Wow. This is, uh, this is quite a utopia. She's, she's painting here. This is all in one proposal. Okay. Next up plant trees. Okay. Well, I hate to inform her, but we actually have more trees in North America than we had when we land when when the uh, initial uh, Christopher Columbus days of of landing here. There are more today than there were then. So uh, I guess we can continue to plant more trees. That's one that I don't mind. I guess I I don't see that as being some drastic uh, measure. But uh, she also wants a j- a job for everybody with a family-sustaining wage, medical leave, vacations, and retirement security for every American. So, uh, full-blown communism. That's great. Um, What else do we got? Uh, Yeah, I guess when I look at this, we're talking about the full-blown attempt to destroy society. I'm glad we're clear with that now. I appreciate the clarification. Um, But, yeah, so... I guess for more uh, clarification, AOC took to NPR on Thursday, as I alluded to in my uh, my my opening. Uh, she said, "These are real quotes this time." She said, "This is really about providing justice for communities, and just transitions for communities." So, really, the heart of the New Green Deal is about uh, New Green Deal is about social justice, repairing historic oppression. So. This is me talking again, not her. But uh, she, she, this was never about climate change. This is about her uh, furthering this crazy agenda. This is about her pushing her social justice crap and very, very far socialist, communist-esque uh, policies on a free country. So, uh, AOC. Wow. Okay. Uh, you're too much. That's too much. I, I can't believe 
This is actually a document that is floating around our Congress right now. This bartender from New York just, you know, in between the time that she got elected and now just went home on her MacBook and just started typing away. And uh, this is the crap she generated. I mean, this is, I guess we can't even have crap anymore because you can't have methane. So she needs to stop writing this kind of stuff because this stuff smells like a pile of uh, manure. And there's a little too much methane emanating from this bill for, for my green taste, personally. Uh, so next up, uh, a- ABC uh, bullied a kid attending the State of the Union because of bullying. So an 11-year-old, his, his name is uh, Joshua Trump. He was invited to the State of the Union address because he gets bullied for sharing the name with the president. So what does ABC do? They tweet out a picture of the kids sleeping during the address and then chime in. So bravo, ABC, bullying an 11-year-old victim of school bullying. Holy cow. Uh, Keep in mind, the address took place late at night, so there's a good reason why the kid may have been sleeping. But anyways, this tweet got ratioed, which if you're not familiar, that, uh, that means it got more replies than it got likes, which is typically a sign of an unpopular tweet. But it's worth noting that Twitter took down Elizabeth Warren's fraudulent bar application uh, where she wrote Native American because it was considered targeted harassment of a private individual. But Twitter is fine with this kid getting bullied by a, a multi-million dollar media corporation in ABC. No problem there. Warren is a public figure, by the way, and the document is a legal document. It's not like it's you know harassment of a private individual when the individual is a public figure and the document is a legal document. So more bias on full display from Twitter. Uh, that's a daily occurrence. Uh, could I couldn't make the show long enough to cover all of the instances of bias on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, Google, etc. But uh, last up, kind of a philosophical uh, segment here: the perpetual present. So. You know, progressives have what I refer to as a chronological superiority complex. They believe that society has, and time, moves on an arc of progress. But, you know, by default, because of this view, they believe that man can be perfected. And this is fundamentally where they differ from, you know, conservatives and Christianity. If if you were to ask a very politically minded progressive millennial, say, you know, roughly 25 years old in age, maybe even a younger, you would find a person who genuinely believes his, her, or zer, or any of the other 50 other um, pronouns, uh, that that their ideas are vastly superior to those of the fi- founding fathers. So, the future is the result of the fight of the present. There's nothing that guarantees progressive ideas will win out. Hell, Roe versus Wade could just as easily be overturned as it was implemented in the first place. Traditional values could just as easily gain the upper hand in the coming years. You don't know that. And progressives don't either. Progressives act like they vanquished uh, vanquished traditionalism into the depths of history just because they won on an issue of the day. Traditionalism isn't going anywhere insofar as human nature isn't going anywhere. 
truth always rears its head. The short-sightedness of progressives is astounding. Look at their calls to eliminate, you know, the Electoral College or or to stack the Supreme Court or get rid of the Senate. I mean, what really, think about this. What what would really happen if we eliminated the Electoral College? I mean, here, here's my opinion. I think you'd see population centers would have all, all of the power. Yes, this would mean progressivism would accelerate exponentially. Okay, but... It would also reach its natural end much faster. 40 of the 50 states would have almost no power. They would be subject to laws, taxes, regulations, and policies demanded by progressives, but they would have no vote, no power, no representation. Within 10 to 20 years or sooner, you'd see the complete collapse in America. Why would the states comply with a tyrannical progressive government that stripped them of their power? You can't underestimate the impact that would have on these states their people, and all future, uh, the future conflict that, that stems from that. Progressives feel oppressed, politically speaking, because they lack the power to implement their policies. So they lash out at conservatives and demand that uh, their party leaders adopt a by-all-means approach to getting th- things their way. When conservatives get their way, Democrats still have an equal chance at attaining the reins of control in government. All of the systems and, and the foundation of government and our, our way of uh, governance are still in place. They're intact. When progressives get their way, Republicans will be completely castrated from power if the elimination of the Electoral College and other radical proposals take effect. Look at what always happens in socialist and communist countries. What do they all have in common? Answer, they're all one-party systems. What happened to the opposing parties in these countries? They were vanquished. And that's what they'd love to do to conservatives, Republicans, everybody to the right of Lenin, essentially. essentially. Everybody to the right of Ocasio-Cortez, which is almost the entire population in America. Uh, So that is it for the day. Thank you again for tuning in. Appreciate your time. I hope you appreciate your freedom, and uh, I will see you tomorrow. As always, I really uh, appreciate a share, a subscribe. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app, go ahead and subscribe. I'd love to be able to directly connect to you and get back at you. Hopefully, I believe tomorrow, what is it, uh, Friday? We'll see if I do a show tomorrow. If not, uh, on Monday. Have a great weekend.